0: Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he says of all the gospel writers have a subject in view to point out Christ. The three former, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, exhibit his body, if we may be permitted to use this expression. But John, John exhibits his soul. John here attests to the life of ministry. And as we saw a few weeks ago, he gives us intimate details that the other gospel writers do not give us. He gave us the names of Mary, the woman who broke the alabaster jar at the feet of Jesus. He gives us the name of Judas, the one who was offended by Mary's gift. He gives us privileges And conversations that are found in no other gospel. And tonight we find the same thing. For from John chapter 13 to John chapter 17, this is unique to John's gospel alone. And in John chapter 13, as Sinclair Ferguson states, we are invited to listen into Jesus' instruction of his closest friends as they sit around him during his final Passover meal. This is what we are invited to tonight. This intimate supper hosted by Jesus himself. He has invited us into this conversation becoming one of the 12 disciples. There were 13 people in this room. And we are being invited to sit in front of Jesus And become part of his new covenant community. We are being invited to become a disciple of Jesus who believes that he is the Son of God. One of these disciples is about to betray him, one of these disciples is about to deny him three times. All of them are going to be scattered, for Jesus said, When they strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter and this reminds us of our own lives, right? Whether we've betrayed Jesus outright, whether we've denied his name, whether people have asked us or run into us and call and asked us how does your faith line up with the way that you live? Or we run when people ask us, who do you say Jesus is? It is these people. It is these disciples. And notice, Jesus doesn't lash out on them. He doesn't scold them. He doesn't chastise them. It is of these disciples in these next five chapters that Jesus calls his own. His children and his friends. Yes, these disciples who are often found arguing amongst themselves who is the greatest. It is these disciples that Jesus reveals his soul. And what I want us to see tonight is that in primarily just in this first verse of chapter 13, this is the center for these next five chapters. It gives us the theme. Jesus knows where he's going and he loves his disciples. And this is what John tells us. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour had come to depart out of this world and to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The first thing that John tells us is that Jesus knew. Jesus knew the hour had come to depart to the the Father. This is a euphemism. He knew he was going to the cross. Jesus knew he was leaving his disciples. And we are told again in verses 3 through 5, it was in Jesus knowing this that spurred his action. It was because he knew where he was going that he took off his outer garments and he went to the feet of the disciples and washed their feet. He humbled himself to the place of a servant. This is a place that the disciples not even dare go. For they were too worried about who was the greatest among themselves. And we see the master, the teacher, and the Lord washing the feet of his disciples. This is how much Jesus loved them. By contrast, Peter didn't know what Jesus was doing. And this has been the theme throughout John's gospel. The disciples continually, or we are told that the disciples continually do not understand what Jesus is doing. They don't understand what Jesus has been doing, what he's about to do, and they don't understand what Jesus is doing to them right in that instant. And Jesus was preparing them. Or something he was preparing them these 12 disciples to become the bedrock of a new people he was preparing these 12 men to be the church upon he would build with himself as the chief cornerstone he was preparing these 12 men to lead the new, Exodus, where God would redeem his people, not from a kingdom made by man, but out of the kingdom of sin and Satan. And I wonder how many of us have the same question that the disciples had that evening. Jesus, what are you doing? Whether it's imagining Jesus washing our feet, or whether it's trying to understand what Jesus is doing in our daily lives. Maybe you question, where is Jesus when my child is devastating our family? Where is Jesus when my spouse doesn't understand what I'm trying to say, or they don't understand who I am? Where is Jesus when I can't get my life in order? When I'm constantly behind? When I wish I could do more, but I just can't? Where is Jesus when I feel the pressures of my friends and I don't know where to turn? Here, John tells us, Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus knows where he's going. And even though his disciples don't understand Jesus loves them to the end. Jesus loves them to the cross. He loves them even in their mess. He loves them even when they don't know that they know they're a mess. He even loves them in their misunderstanding of who he is. He loves you, even though you might not understand what he is doing in your life. And he is in control. He told his disciples in John 10, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Peter didn't know then, but as Jesus promised, Peter would know. For we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter didn't know what Jesus was doing. But what Peter did know is that Jesus loved him. For Jesus had told him, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you know that this is what Jesus is saying to you? You are his own and he loves you. He loves you so much, he went to the cross for you. He loves you so much that he created and founded the world that through him and his blood, you might be redeemed. He loves you so much, he defeated Satan through his own death. And resurrection. This is how much Jesus loves his disciples. And he says to you, You are mine. And you know what else? He loves you so much, he went to the cross. And the disciples might have thought, well, this is the end. But it wasn't the end. Because on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven and he is seated and in glory and he promises he will love us to the end of time because he is the king. He loves us forever. If you come to Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you are his, and he's never letting you go. This is the room that we are invited to tonight, to become part of the Messiah's community. By believing in him and everything that Jesus said, everything Jesus did, everything he promised, is yours. And by this time tomorrow night, 2,000 years ago, Jesus' lifeless body will have carried the burden for your sin. Because upon him, our sin was poured. He was smitten pierced by God for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and chastised because of us. This is how much Jesus loves you. And as assured as Jesus was of who he was, you can know that Jesus not only loves you, Not only that he has reconciled you to the father, but now the father looks upon you and says, you are my son or my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Is that enough for you? It better be. Because this is what God offered for you, his firstborn son. And he slayed him and gave his blood in your place. And what Jesus teaches his disciples is if you know that you are loved by God, you will do as I did. So we see throughout the entire New Testament different commands. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Or in Ephesians 2, by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared him, that we should walk in them. At this meal, some 3,500 years ago, God's Exodus community was instructed on how they were to prepare for their very first Passover. They were even told how to dress. At this Last Supper, the Lord gave his disciples instruction on what they should do on the last Passover. And he even told them how they should dress. They should dress like a servant. Because their Savior was a servant. And he said, follow me. By your love, the world will know that you are my disciples. This is what we find in Jesus. We no longer sacrifice the Passover lamb for the lamb of God has been shed for you because Jesus loves you. And he gave his disciples what they needed most. He gave him himself to sustain them and to remind them that you are his. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, remind us how much you love us, how much you gave on our behalf. Father, may we come clothed as your disciples, not wearing our own righteousness, but wearing Christ and his righteousness. We ask this in his name. Amen. Let us stand and sing.